Hello, hello, and welcome to the Love Doctor podcast, research-informed advice that can lubricate any conversation about sex. My name is Leah Tidy, and I'm glad to have you here. Today on the show, I answer your questions about sustainable lube products, hormones, managing our mental health leading up to sex, and what red flags and green flags are in sexual relationships. I also share part one of my interview with my friend and menstrual wellness educator, Crystal Kennings. We talk about cycle awareness and how it includes so much more than just tracking your period. But first, today in sex. Hello. We are looking for models and brand ambassadors who support the body positivity movement. Please send us a message at our main account at here for you ASAP. Hope to hear from you. Now, this was an Instagram message I got last week, and no, here for you did not hear back from me ASAP about whether I wanted to be a model for their fake body positivity account. Instead, Levi put out a YouTube video all about Instagram scammers and how these fake companies are like jumping on all sorts of different social movements and claiming that part of their proceeds go towards various charities. I'm biased, but the intro of the video, it's basically the best part, and I'm going to play it for you now. Okay, so Leah, (laughs) I'm going to show you three brands on Instagram and you have to tell me which one is fake. Okay, okay. Okay, this is the first one. We are the world, but there's no O in world. Good looking folks wearing shirts that all, (laughs) what the heck does that say? There is no planet B. Do something in your teeth. Wholesome culture. Sustainable, ethically made clothing. Donating 10% of profits to animal rescues and eco-friendly organizations. There is no planet B. What the hell is this? There's some cows on that one, which is nice. The honey for the bee. Why is there... F- There's no planet B. Why is that there? <laughs> what the heck? That's what I'm talking about. Hey team, welcome back to another Levi's Save the World Hildebrand episode, the channel where we prove that you don't need to be a hero to save the planet. Today we are going to be talking about a very unfortunate string of online marketing scams that I've seen on Instagram that are preying on your desire to purchase from companies that are environmentally and socially responsible. Now, Levi goes on to break down how each of these companies create some pretty realistic-looking Instagram accounts that are almost entirely run by bots. But what really shocked me was, was just how shameless this whole thing is. You know, Black Lives Matter, body positivity, female empowerment, environmental sustainability, gender equality, these are all things I am so passionate about. And it was just so sad to see them being co-opted to sell crappy or non-existent products to people who want to make a difference. I think we're all feeling pretty overwhelmed with the state of the world. And when an ad pops up on your Instagram with a cute t-shirt that says, learn to love yourself or kindness is cool, then yeah, it's easy to be tempted to buy that shirt and feel like part of your money, it it might actually be going to an organization that is doing something to, to work on making our world just a more equitable place for all of us. But in terms of sex, and why I thought this was important to share with you, is that our values and how we move through the world, well, that hugely impacts how we move in the bedroom. Our sexuality is formed by all of these different social factors, and learning to love yourself and your body, yeah, that's pretty important in terms of sexuality and, I mean, actually all aspects of life, let's be honest. But that comes from inner work, through learning and unlearning what society has told us about our bodies, and not from a t-shirt that will probably never arrive in the mail. 
Now, lastly, speaking of scammers, and this is a bit of like a political pop-out ad, I just need to say, if you live in the U.S. and you are eligible to vote, then this week is your chance to get rid of the biggest scammer of them all. You see that connection that I'm making there? Yeah. I'm not American, but the ramifications of a second term of a Trump presidency, that affects so many of us around the world. And and that's because he holds space for hatred and for ignorance and for those things to reign supreme. So make a plan. Maybe help get someone out to vote who maybe wouldn't normally go or, or have access and vote for Biden and Harris. This is sincerely from your Canadian neighbor to the north. And now let's get to your calls. So this is from the same caller who sent in question in the last episode, and I just didn't get time to answer all of their really great questions. So here is the next question, and I am so glad that you sent it in. Hi, coming here after episode 13. What are some examples of red flags or green flags in a relationship? And how can red flags be addressed, or how can you realize that they're a sign to get out? So thank you so much and best of luck for your future endeavors. And I will continue to listen in. Thanks so much. Thank you, caller. And I love the red flags versus green flags distinction. Now, quite often we hear discussions about red flags and how to recognize that we are in unhealthy relationships. But what about evaluating the health of our relationships and recognizing when the signs are good? I'm going to get into both. So why don't we start with red flags? So red flags are commonly known as signals that someone is not going to make a good partner and that they will attempt to manipulate the relationship. Dan Savage, whom I adore and is a big part of actually why I started this podcast, he talks about how premature commitments is a definite red flag in early stages of a relationship. So if you've only been dating or seeing someone for a couple of weeks and they say that they love you and they want you to promise that you'll never leave them, then that's manipulation. This is regardless if they have abandonment issues or not, but that is an unfair precedent to put on you as a new partner. Now, this is not to say that it's wrong to have really strong feelings for someone early on in a relationship, but demanding those kind of long-term commitments when you haven't had the time to actually get to know each other fully, to see if you can create a healthy relationship together, yeah, that's not okay. Now, way back in episode three of the podcast, I share my experience of my first relationship where my boyfriend, he basically used his mental health and threatening to kill himself to keep me in the relationship. I was 16 at the time and I didn't know what to do other than stay because I loved him and I didn't want him to hurt himself. It's one of those classic lines of, if you love me, you do it, or you'd stay, or those types of ultimatums and those early commitments that are, yeah, those are definite red flags. But it can be really hard to see that when we are in the relationships. Trust me, it took me two years of off and on with that boyfriend before we finally called it quits. But but hopefully we have friends and family who can see more clearly because they're outside of the relationship, and hopefully they can be honest with us. It really struck me when my closest friend, who is normally, she's pretty reserved with her advice, she said that this boyfriend, he didn't bring any joy to my life and that I just didn't seem like myself anymore. And I really hope listeners, you don't have to get to this point to then recognize these red flags, but hopefully this can help us distinguish red flags early on instead of two years down the road. Now, I've attached a link to a Dan Savage article from September of this year, and I highly recommend checking it out. What is especially great is Dan's line that you do not need someone's consent to dump them. 
Everything else in a relationship relies on consent and communication on what we want to do together and to each other. But if you're feeling unsafe, if you're feeling anxious and manipulated into doing things or are making commitments that you just don't feel comfortable making, then get out of there. I'll also say on a personal note that a real indicator of a person is how they treat service workers. Now, I worked in the service industry as a housekeeper and then a server and a bartender for 10 years, and you can tell a lot by how someone treats the person who is bringing their food or cleaning their room or bagging their groceries. But I mean, COVID, so bring your own bag, bag it yourself, right? So if someone is rude or completely ignores service workers, that's a huge red flag for me. But if they say thank you, they leave a tip, and generally are a kind human being, then chances are that they're at least going to be a considerate partner. Now, this takes us to green flags, which is such a great way to perceive the world. I tend to believe the best in people, but a big part of that is my privilege as a white cisgender woman. I can generally assume that people will treat me with respect, and while that is not always the case based on my gender and my sexual orientation and my age, I can move through the world without fear of discrimination or violence. Now, this is an important thing to consider in all of the advice that I give because all of it is tempered through my own experience of the world and my place in it. All to say that green flags can vary on what you're looking for in a partner. But generally, if someone is a good communicator, as in they can tell you how they're feeling or you can tell them how you're feeling and they can talk through it, then that's a really good sign. If you disagree about something, but you have a respectful dialogue that doesn't blame either party or lead to like the cold shoulder or the silent treatment, those are definite red flags, then they are demonstrating to you that they can be mature and they can disagree with you, but it doesn't make either of you wrong. I found a great article by Tony Tone called Why We Need to Shout About Green Flags in a Relationship as Well as Red Ones. And what she highlights is how someone reacts to a silly mistake. I know that for me, if I spill something or if I trip, which I'm prone to do more often than I care to admit, then Levi is always the first to laugh and to help me out. Anywho, give it a read and even check out the Twitter feed, which has so many good examples of green flags. And now I also got some really great questions from an Instagram post last week, and I'm going to share my rapid fire responses to them. So here we go. Question one, what's a sustainable lube that's safe for sensitive vaginas? It seems like there's so many companies out there that are greenwashing their products, <clears throat> hello, Instagram scammers, and claiming to be sustainable or eco-friendly. So I did some research to figure out what actually works and what some of those options are, especially for folks with sensitive vaginas. Now, first, one of my favorites is coconut oil as a really natural product that is great for sensitive skin of our labia and vagina. It's even recommended by Dr. Jen Gunter in the Vagina Bible, so that is a great choice. There's also a great zero-waste grocery store where I live that you can refill your container of coconut oil, so it's zero-waste and it's good for your body. However, big disclaimer, coconut oil is not, I repeat, not compatible with condoms or latex. It can erode the material, so don't use coconut oil if you're planning to use an internal or an external condom. Also, I found this great article called 14 Best Natural Lubricants That Won't Irritate Your Vagina, and it really breaks down why each one is good and why doctors recommend them. However, you see that a lot of the examples listed, they come in various plastic containers that may or may not be recyclable. Now, I have my coconut oil in a glass jar, which works great for me, but depending on where you are and what kind of refill or recycle options you have, that might factor into the type of lubricant that will work for you. You'll also hear Levi and I talk a lot on his YouTube channel about buying local as much as possible. So while this list is really great in this article, it gives you links to buy it on Amazon, which, yeah, no, I do not recommend. 
Again, totally depends on accessibility and what sort of stores you have available where you live, but as much as possible, avoid Amazon and opt for the local option. So check out the link in the episode description, and I hope this will get you started. Okay, second question, everything hormones. Okay, so I literally don't have time to get into all things hormones, but here are a few key things that I want to share. Every single body produces hormones, including estrogen and testosterone. All bodies do this. This is regardless of sex and gender. All of our bodies create both hormones, but the ratio of each varies from person to person. Now, because this episode is about cycle awareness and Crystal does a far better job at explaining exactly what is happening hormonally throughout an entire menstrual cycle, I'll just add a bit of my findings from my Sheck course. So sex hormones, they have organizing and activating effects on behavior. That is, they influence the type of behavior that's expressed, an organizing effect, and they influence the frequency or, or the intensity of the drive that motivates the behavior and the ability to perform behavior, the activating effects. So, for example, some sex hormones can predispose us towards some stereotypical masculine or feminine like mating behaviors, which is an organizing effect. Now, they can also facilitate sexual response and they can influence sexual desire, which is an activating effect. So hormones, they play a huge role in how we express our sexuality and the makeup of our physical bodies. But there are a lot of other factors that play a role in that, such as how we're socialized in our families, our cultures, religions, and on and on. Now, despite all of these different claims about various foods and such working as aphrodisiacs that will amp up our sex drives, our bodies produce a real aphrodisiac, testosterone. Testosterone, that activates our sex drives. So being aware of our hormone cycles can be hugely beneficial in knowing when we're feeling like getting down and when we're not. Now, all of this information I found in the course textbook that I have for my sexual health educator training, and it's called Human Sexuality in a Diverse World. You do have to pay and you only have access to it online for six months. So while I think it's a great resource, that might not be accessible for everyone. So I'm just going to keep throwing in little tidbits throughout the podcast so you can get all the good stuff without having to pay for it. And here's the last rapid fire question. Info on managing emotions during slash leading up to sex, the mental health side. So I decided to include this question on the episode about cycle awareness because I didn't realize until after chatting with Crystal that cycle awareness, that includes a full awareness of of our emotions, our thoughts, and our physical sensations each day. So that really means taking stock of how we're doing mentally, because with cycle awareness and with sexuality, our minds, they play a huge role in how we're feeling day to day. By taking the time to identify what those emotions are leading up to sex, maybe you can start to unpack why they're coming up and what factors might be contributing to them. When it comes to sex, there is unfortunately so much shame we need to unpack, and that's pretty universal, and also a big part of why this podcast even exists. Too often, these feelings of shame or insecurity, they can mean that it can be difficult to become aroused or to feel desirable or to be really fully present when we are having sex in its many, many different forms. Now, it's hard to give a precise answer, since I'm not sure exactly which emotions are coming up for you, caller, but during sex and leading up to it, I will say that by knowing our own bodies better, and that includes our mental health, that we can be better prepared to share with a partner or partners what we want, what brings us pleasure, and what our boundaries are. I feel like I keep coming back to it, but really, masturbation is such a wonderful way to get more in tune with ourselves and to build confidence when we do have partnered sex. Now, being able to show someone what you like and how you like it done, it's so insanely hot. 
And it can also help them feel more at ease because they're not just like guessing at what you like, you know, press here, lick there, and just looking up at you with those eyes like, did I do it right? Anyway, I'll also read a brief passage from my Shack course about sexual communication. Relationship counselors and sex therapists might be less busy if more couples communicated with each other about their sexual feelings. Unfortunately, when it comes to sex, the most overlooked four-letter word may be talk. One issue is most of us don't talk about our sexual likes and dislikes in everyday conversations, which means we don't have practice in doing so, and we don't have frequent access to good sexual communication role models. But in study after study, more frequent sexual communication is associated with higher sexual satisfaction. So the more that you can practice talking about sex and knowing that it's probably going to be awkward at the beginning, but the more you do it, the easier it's going to get. You're going to be more satisfied with your sex life because you're going to be more clear about what you want and what you don't want. Now, lastly, sexual performance anxiety. This is an issue that a lot of folks deal with, but the research is really not very conclusive on types of treatments and therapies. However, cognitive behavioral therapy, which is a type of talk therapy where you you work with a therapist to identify unhelpful ways of thinking and really changing those thinking patterns, it's a common method to address mental health and it can be helpful for sexual health too. I've attached a link to what cognitive behavioral therapy is as well as a research article about treatment for sexual dysfunction. And now I'm just going to share some brief feedback for the show before I get into my interview with Crystal. Now, I was messaging a listener on Instagram about topics they want covered on this podcast, and they shared this beautiful message with me. They said, Because you had the courage to come out as bisexual, I also did. Only to a few people, because my family is hella homophobic, but still. Thank you for being someone I could look up to. Thank you so much, and I'm just so glad that this podcast could be a resource for you. I don't remember who said it. It probably was Dan Savage, because I love him. He says that when someone is honest about who they are, the world becomes a better place. So thank you for doing that. And with all of those warm fuzzies, I am delighted to share my interview with Crystal. (laughs) Hi! How are you? I'm doing really well. How are you? I'm very good. I'm happy that we're like, so listeners right now, we're sitting in my parents' solarium. We have candles lit. We have tea. We're six feet apart. But Christy, it's actually very apt that you're sitting on a red couch right now. It's it's actually so appropriate. Like, I think everything is just like synced up so nicely. Right? <laughs> everything has aligned. I know. I like just thought of that that moment. I was like, oh, let's talk about cycle awareness. And I... <laughs> So perfect. <laughs> Sit down on my crimson couch. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Why don't you just like introduce like yourself, just like the elevator pitch. Who are you and like why are you passionate about what you do? So my name is Crystal Kennings and I describe myself as a menstrual wellness educator um, because I have had my own struggles with my menstrual cycle for many years and about six and a half years ago, I kind of came to a point where I lost my period, didn't think it was bad, realized that's bad. <laughs> not not normal to just lose your period. And it kind of took me on this journey of self-discovery as well as coming into a space where I started to listen to my body mm-hmm. and I started to learn about menstrual cycle awareness, menstrual health, hormone health, all of the good things. And I'm here today and that is what I talk about. I talk about periods online. Yay! Right. <laughs> Which is awesome. Like I remember, so we, we first met because both of our 
I was going to say husbands, but partners, but basically, <laughs> basically husbands, basically yeah. husbands um, are YouTubers. Mm-hmm. And, but it's all about like environment sustainability and plant-based eating and nutrition. And so I just found it so hilarious when we like went for a hike earlier this year and the first time you and I had met and we're like, menstrual wellness, sex education, we're like, blah, blah, and just talked nonstop. <laughs> what I really enjoy about what you do is that you're so accessible about how you talk about it. And you also like weave in a lot of like a lot of your own values about how you like you live your life. So there's like plant-based eating, but it's all like woven together. So it just feels like you're getting to know like a good friend who's also like super educated is like, by the way, let me tell you about cycle awareness so you can live a better life and actually like know what's going on in your body. Okay, give me like a breakdown. Like cycle awareness is this thing that's like so hot, so topical right now. And you see it like all the time on like Instagram and different ads. So like a brief synopsis, like how would you describe cycle awareness? And then let's, we'll get into the nitty gritty of that. So cycle awareness for me and what I like to educate others about is really like essentially it's connecting to your emotional, mental and physical health through tracking your cycle. Mm. So it doesn't really have anything to do with fertility awareness at at that point, Mm -hmm. but it can obviously encompass that as well. But cycle awareness is really just kind of to getting to know what your like habits and patterns are because we all experience kind of the same emotional patterns and same physical patterns throughout our cycle. But unless we're in tune to them, we don't know. And often a lot of people might think that they're crazy or unfortunately society, you know, tells menstruators that they're really emotional and unstable and they can't make decisions because they're hormonal. But when you start to become aware of your cycle, you start to realize like, well, I'm not like overly crazy or emotional, but I do have times in my cycle where I can be vulnerable and I might need to approach things a bit differently. But there's also times in my cycle where I have like a lot of strengths, like I have a lot of high energy. I can really vocalize my like thoughts and opinions and I can work like really hard on projects and kind of like get them out into the world and be really creative. But we're just not really like told any of this. So we kind of go through life just thinking our cycle is annoying and it's just kind of our period and there's not really anything else to it. But it's this whole like beautiful, lush inner landscape that I think is just our superpower, basically. Mm-hmm. I love how you describe that, this lush inner landscape. <laughs> That's just beautiful. And what I think, especially for something that get so much like shame and stigma in society to just reframe that around this can be a really like powerful thing to to sink into and to and to understand you know as as someone who spends a lot of time talking about sexual health a lot of the time what i'm realizing doing all of this research is that if we have sexual shame about our bodies and stuff a lot of that for folks with vulvas and people who menstruate, that starts with genital shame. That starts with not being okay with our vulvas and being told that they're dirty. And that all comes back to like menstruation and having our periods and not actually being taught what the hell is going on. It wasn't until I started taking this sexual health educator course that I had one of the nurses who's taking it with me go through the entire menstrual cycle being like, this is what your hormones are doing. And this is at this phase. This is at this phase. I'm like, why am I getting like this in depth when I'm 28? Like, I feel like I should have known this so long ago. So if we're going to talk about 
our cycle. Because again, so much all we know about is like so the much. period right. itself. Right. Okay. So let's talk about the big picture. What what the heck happens? I don't know, like a brief overview. <laughs> <laughs> a brief overview of the cycle. How much time do we have? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so do you want me to break it down into like the phases? That kind of kind of like, yeah, kind of that, like hormones and all that kind that of stuff. That would be awesome. So a brief overview. So I like to teach <laughs> the cycle as four phases. Mm-hmm. Technically, there's only two phases, which is the follicular phase and the luteal phase. But I feel like that can kind of get like confusing because you're like, well, wait, what about like my menstrual phase? Like what? I don't understand. What about ovulation? So I like to teach it um, in four different phases. So the first phase is the menstrual phase. So the menstrual phase is when you have your period, you're shedding your uterine lining, probably feeling a little tired, maybe a little bit run down. Your hormones are also at their lowest. So You're probably feeling a little bit better than you did premenstrually, but in your menstrual phase, you're usually feeling a little bit low energy. Mm -hmm. And then after a few days, your, you know, your period stops and then you come into your pre-ovulatory phase. And so that is when your estrogen starts to rise. And with that comes a rise in energy. So you're probably feeling pretty good. Mm -hmm. And then that will build up until ovulation. And during ovulation, you ovulate. So an egg has been kind of vetted, gets Mm -hmm. ready to go. Uh, while you are in your pre-ovulatory phase and then it is released at ovulation and that happens when a rise of estrogen and luteinizing hormone kind of peak mm-hmm. and then it just all oh, this magic happens and ovulation is actually the like the fireworks of the menstrual cycle a lot of people focus on just menstruation because it's like the outward expression of the cycle but ovulation is really where like all the goodness is because that's usually when you're feeling super good obviously that ties into fertility you know you can um, get pregnant around that time but it also is just a place where uh, like there's just a lot of things going on and you can just feel so good. And it's just so important because without ovulation, you're not going to get your period, which mm-hmm. obviously that plays into if you have like a late cycle or a missed period, it's probably has something to do with ovulation. So after ovulation, you then move into your premenstrual phase. And so that is the period of time before your next cycle or your next period. And that is usually when you might feel a little irritable, maybe. But also, you might also have, like, really great boundaries and say no really easily. Mm. Because it's also a time when you just don't take any BS from anyone. And I love that. It's like the truth-telling phase. I like, love that. You just, you just are there, and you're going to tell people what you think. And it's amazing. And a lot of people, you know, sometimes the PMS phase or the premenstrual phase, I should say, gets, like kind of a little bit of flack, but Mm -hmm. it's actually a really great phase because it helps us just enforce our boundaries and Mm -hmm. also speak up. And so that is kind of the four phases of the menstrual cycle. And then obviously after the premenstrual phase, you move into the menstrual phase and the whole cycle starts over again. (laughs) (laughs) I hope like, hopefully that explained it in a very brief great way um i guess i should have mentioned that after ovulation that's when progesterone starts to secrete so Mm -hmm. progesterone is a super awesome hormone it builds up the uterine lining or it helps sustain it i should say and then in your premenstrual phase you have a lot of progesterone and a little bit of estrogen and so those two hormones they play on each other a little bit and that's also can be a little bit of a tough time for some people just because of those hormone fluctuations right um but again progesterone kind of helps supposed to help calm you down and just keep you cool and stuff so it's a really great time for like telling people what what you want to tell them but it's also a really great time because you feel really like introspective and kind of you come into yourself and then yeah cycle starts all over again right I think that's such a good 
way of linking together so many things though. I think so often we think that like our bodies, they're doing one thing and then our brains (laughs) do a totally different thing. All bodies have hormones in them and we're going to experience them differently. And what our hormones are doing directly relates to how we're feeling, how we're able to communicate and so many other things. So I love how you talk about not only is this like the premenstrual phase and so many other things are happening, but maybe you can speak your truth a bit easier, right? Because it's almost like your emotions are like, they're a bit closer to the surface. (laughs) And you're like, you know, this filter that I normally have. And I think especially like for a lot of folks with vulvas and a lot of folks who identify as women, we're just so taught to please other people and to make sure that everyone else is comfortable. And so holding that space for ourselves. And like you said, setting those boundaries is so important. And so how amazing would that be if, you had a time like each month, you're like, all right, each cycle, <laughs> these are my days, like every day to be able to hold that space, but to know like, this is where I'm really going to advocate for myself. So what I, I'm kind of interested in hearing you talk about a bit more is not just that physical aspect, but that emotional and intellectual and like how all those things work together. Like how, how do you, how do you see that as our superpower? So... It's a complex question, I know. It's a complex question, yeah. I'm like, how do I see this as my superpower? Just to clarify, do you mean like how moods change throughout the cycle or do you just feel, or do you mean like how I feel and how I can like take those feelings and mm, probably, do okay, things I, with them? I definitely want to hear both. So maybe okay. like for listeners probably want to know like, hey, so what, what does that mean for our moods? Because there's, like you said, there's so much stigma around like, oh my gosh, someone's PMSing and so oh, yeah, right, like yeah. that. So yeah. maybe we can talk about general like moods of how we actually are feeling at that time Mm -hmm. but then also really interested in like your personal experience because you talked about how really like six and a half years ago there was a change and that's totally right and that's awesome so yeah we'll do a brief overview of moods and then let's get into like some personal nitty-gritty the personal good good stuff (laughs) so the moods of the cycle I mean it's really personal I mean I don't want to I don't want to like sit here and tell you this is how you're supposed to feel because menstrual cycle awareness is like a deeply personal and very intuitive practice it's really like a mindfulness practice as well so it's not something that's right or wrong. It's not mm-hmm. like, oh, you feel this way during your cycle? Well, you're wrong. This is how you're supposed to feel. And that's why I love it because it's it's not something that's like cut in stone and every cycle is different. Every single cycle is a learning experience. And I've been doing this work for so long and mm-hmm. every cycle I'm like... learn something new about myself okay I have this day in my cycle where you know um I might have felt really creative where last cycle maybe I didn't feel like that that day like this is really interesting how can I dive deeper into that Mm -hmm. so with moods moods can correlate really um easily to like estrogen estrogen and serotonin play on each other in the brain so when your estrogen is low like in your menstrual phase your moods might be like a little bit lower as well of course that plays into if you're like having really painful periods like cramping like so many things, right, mm. that a lot of people struggle with on their menstrual cycle, especially in their periods. So if that is something that you're like struggling with, then your mood's probably going to be low. Like, I don't know anyone that has like terrible cramps and is like, I'm happy. My mood's great. Like, you know, <laughs> my body's in pain. My body's awesome. in pain. It's, it's amazing. Um, so that's going to probably like correlate to that a little bit. But as soon as you end your period and, you know, periods can last from three to seven days, as soon as that ends, you move into your pre-ovulatory phase. And that's when you start to notice a rise in estrogen. And I know for me, this is like, 
I feel like this is like my golden hour of my cycle where I'm like, I feel so good. Because <laughs> you go from having a little bit of lower energy to like an introspective point, like place to be in your cycle. And then you kind of have this rise of estrogen and you're like, oh, the world is amazing. I love everyone. <laughs> and you start to have this like better outlook on life mm. and your mood definitely shifts. And I find for me personally, I feel a lot better. And so I'm very much like, I'll do this. I'm like, yay, yay. And then that will actually translate into the ovulatory phase as well, because estrogen is like the highest around that time. Mm -hmm. So when you're in the ovulatory phase, you're usually like the yes person. So you're like, yeah, I'll do that. Yes, I'll hang out with that person. I will do that project. Give me all the things, Mm -hmm. which can be a little bit of a trying time because a lot of times you can say yes in your ovulatory phase. And then in your premenstrual phase, when you've said yes to everything, you're like, so I'm burned out <laughs> and I said yes to this dinner date and I don't want to go on it. Yeah. So just finding your rhythm and flow and, and understanding that you have these like times in your cycle where your mood's like super good and you might say yes to all the things, but also understanding that like there will be probably a little bit of a shift mm-hmm. and just making sure that you create boundaries. And that's why menstrual cycle awareness is amazing because you can see these patterns in yourself and you can say, okay, last cycle, I said yes to way too many things, even though my mood and my energy was there it just didn't really like pay off for me. So I just have to be a little bit more conscious of that. So yeah, around ovulation, you're probably feeling really good. And then after that, when you start getting into the premenstrual phase, usually for me, I find like a week before my period, that's when I usually notice a little bit of a drop in energy. My mood, thankfully, stays pretty good. Mm -hmm. Some people do struggle with like the fall of estrogen after ovulation because estrogen falls after ovulation and then progesterone will like rise up. Right. And that little fluctuation can be hard. Mm-hmm. So people can go from feeling super great, then they ovulate. And then like the next few days, they're like, oh, I feel kind of low. And I'm like, what's going on? Mm-hmm. That can be just a normal thing for some people. Some people are just really sensitive to hormone fluctuations. Mm-hmm. And so that can feed into things like PMDD, which is premenstrual dysphoric disorder, or some more intense PMS. So the other really amazing thing with menstrual cycle awareness and when you're tracking your moods is you can see these dips and these flows and you can say, hmm, I don't know if that's like right or what's going on here or can I lean into these feelings and just Mm -hmm. check them out. And then you could always take that information to a health professional and say, like, I'm my moods are like really low after I ovulate, like what's going on? Mm -hmm. I think for a lot of people, their mood might shift a little bit, but it shouldn't be super drastic. Like you shouldn't be feeling depressed or like awful or have a hard time getting out of bed. Your premenstrual phase should be like, okay. Yeah. You know, you might feel a little bit of a low in energy, but you shouldn't be feeling like your mood shouldn't shift to the point where you're like, oh, my God, everything is super hard. And like, I hate life. Yeah. For me, I don't experience that, but I really feel for people that do. And that's just something I wanted to mention because if someone is listening and they're like, uh, I don't feel that good, like in my premenstrual phase, like my mood really shifts, might be something to look at. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah. And then so a few days before your period, again, you might feel a change in energy. Your mood might shift a little bit. You might feel really like wanting to draw inwards, mm-hmm. kind of be at home. Um, and then you'll start your period and then the cycle will kind of continue. So I hope that answered that question as best mm-hmm. as possible. I tried to include everything in there. <laughs> Hopefully it made sense. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. There's just so, there's so much in there. I think what I love too is that it's normalizing like feeling like different emotions at different times but also like normalizing like productivity and how we work and how that fluctuates and I think especially 
I don't know, we have to get like too far into like a patriarchal <laughs> capitalist society. Yeah, oh yeah. I, love I, that, love right? that. Right? I know, my minor was in gender studies, so I have a lot of like yeah. feelings and thoughts about that. But we're so taught to, we should be hyper-productive and we should yeah. always, you know, be like feeling great and be super positive mm-hmm. and everything else. And if you have a day where you're not, then you're a failure. And then that can just spiral into so many other things. But also like, there's, there's that balance, right, of normalizing, yeah, there are going to be days that you're going to feel low energy, and that's okay. But also, if you're having, like, a major dip and it's really, like, you know, peaks and valleys that right. you're going through, then that's something to look into. Like, that that shouldn't be something that is normal and you should just accept totally. in your life. Uh, one of the things that a lot of the listeners are really interested in, and when I put out the poll, so many people were like, cycle awareness, I need to know, like, mm-hmm what this means, how do I know more about it? And without getting like too into like the nitty gritty, because you should definitely go over to Crystal's Instagram and her (laughs) YouTube channel, because then you will get into like temperature tracking and things like that. All of these things Mm -hmm. that are just so interesting, because I feel like we're just like scraping like oh the there's so the we could be here for hours right. days probably actually and still not even like scratch the surface <laughs> right but i think that's almost like the exciting thing like like you said it yeah. shouldn't feel like you wake up and you're like okay today i'm gonna master cycle awareness you're like <laughs> okay this is gonna be like an ongoing journey mm-hmm. and i feel like that's something that i try and impart with anyone that i'm talking to regardless of the topic is that it's going to take work like if we're gonna like unpack sexual shame or if we're gonna unpack like all of this menstrual shame, we have to give ourselves time to like learn it slowly and be open to how that's going to evolve. So for yourself, I'm interested, like you talked about that, that point six and a half years ago where you're like, wait, this isn't normal that I'm just like right. not having a period randomly. So what has that journey been like for you to so where you are now, six and a half years later, did it take that full time to feel like you were really like, okay, I know what's going on or what was that journey like? So yeah, I lost my period about six and a half years ago. I had struggled with wildly irregular cycles ever since I got my period as a teenager up until, I mean, six and a half years ago. That was about, I was about 25 at that time. Mm-hmm. So up until, I mean, yeah, I got my period as a teenager up until 25 years old. My cycles were crazy irregular and I never really thought anything of it, which is like you were saying, it's crazy that we just think these things are normal. We're not taught anything different, which is such a disservice. Um, mm-hmm. It's we could also just talk about that forever, but I'm not going to get into that. It's just such a disservice that so many of us just struggle. And, you know, wildly irregular cycles, there's reasons for that. You know, mm-hmm. obviously my hormone health wasn't as great as I thought it was. Like, I thought I was super healthy. I looked healthy on the outside, right? Mm-hmm. But on the inside, obviously my body was struggling. And so when I lost my period, thankfully, my boyfriend, Derek, he was training to become a nutritionist at that time. And he actually was the one that was like, So I've noticed you haven't had your period for like a while. Like what's going on? (laughs) Um, And he was learning about hormone health and all that kind of stuff in school. So he was like up on it. Right. And I remember being like kind of embarrassed and being like, yeah, I haven't had it for a few months. But at that point, I was tracking the days of my cycle Mm -hmm. because I wanted to know how wildly irregular they were. And it turned out they were crazy. Mm -hmm. And at that point, it had been three months since I had a period when he had asked. Um, And so he had just kind of really like sat me down and was like, this is not good. Like Mm -hmm. your hormone health matters a lot. And if you're not having a period like every month or a regular cycle, like there's something going on Mm -hmm. and you know, your hormones can just get really messed up from that. And that was like the first time that I think I ever 
had the permission to even explore my body or mm. like explore my cycle as like a connection to me because right. you know I kind of just disassociated from it it was just a thing that happened I didn't really care about it didn't want to know about it so it took me I would say from that point it took me about six months to get my period back and of course Derek had to help me I had to do a lot of stuff I basically had to overhaul my life because in those six months when I was working on getting my period back I did a lot of research I started to learn about hypothalamic amenorrhea which is when you just lose your period with no kind of other cause mm-hmm. and that's what I believed that I had struggled with and I started to realize that like my eating patterns and food relationship was pretty bad <laughs> um, I had a lot of food fear at that time even though I was eating you know pretty healthy mm-hmm. it was it looked healthy on paper but like obviously wasn't working for me um, I had to work on exercise I wasn't actually exercising at all And so I wasn't really taking care of myself. My stress was terrible. I worked a really high stress job. I said yes to everyone. I was a people pleaser. Mm. I had no boundaries. I didn't really know that you could have boundaries. I was like, I'll do all the things all the time. I'll say yes. And because I didn't know my cycle or anything, I didn't know that there were times where I would feel up for things and then times where I would have to have these boundaries and stuff like that, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I would say, yeah, about six months to a year. And then when I got my period back and then I just have continuously just been doing the work. It took me a couple years probably to really dive deep and do the inner work of like, you know, the people pleasing perfectionism, um, food relationship, exercise relationship as well. Mm -hmm. That took a, that was like the hard work. And that's the thing when people will ask like, well, how'd you get your period back? What, what supplement did you take? Or like, I'm eating a lot of calories. What should I do? I don't know why it's not coming back. Sometimes it's a lot of inner work. Mm -hmm. You know, you can, you can take a supplement, you know, that might, might help. Mm -hmm. You can, um, increase your calories if that's what's happening in your life you're not eating enough obviously that'll help but a lot of stuff it's like well why weren't you eating enough mm-hmm. what's going on there are you do you have food fear like you know mm-hmm. what's your exercise like is your exercise like keeping you healthy or is it actually like harming you because you're not eating enough to maintain your exercise uh, routine right. so I had to do like a lot of that work which was super difficult Mm -hmm. um but when I got my period back I had got really into menstrual cycle awareness so that's when I started to like really track my cycle Mm -hmm. and then I started to really track other things like um exercise and food and stuff and then that's when I kind of noticed that these things were coming up for me that I was having a little bit of like obsessive stuff about things Mm -hmm. so that was actually really helpful because I was like oh I'm actually like obsessively tracking stuff I should stop that Mm -hmm. so I stopped all that but I started to just continue tracking my menstrual cycle and so my moods just emotions mental health physical health all of that kind of stuff and then I started to track like me my creativity like well Mm. when was I most creative when was I most like outgoing Mm -hmm. like when was the days when I like wanted to work out and when were there days where I was like "Mm, I'm good like I just want to chill or maybe go for a walk and do gentle stuff yeah so it didn't take me six and a half years to get to this point now but it did take me a few years and then it's like you're kind of just maintaining right yeah (laughs) um and it's so ingrained in me now that I just I I just like love tracking my cycle I find it so Mm -hmm. interesting it's such a big part of my life and then obviously a big part of like the stuff that I do online like I Mm want to help people get to this point where they can have a relationship with their cycle where they're like it's great I wake up every morning and I'm like what's what's gonna happen today how am I gonna feel any vulnerabilities are gonna come up like I love that Mm -hmm. and I like actually wake up every morning I'm like what's today gonna bring whereas before I was like oh god yeah Yeah, what's today today's gonna suck like am Mm -hmm. I gonna have energy or like what's my mood gonna be like will my period come 
who knows? Right. And now it's like a complete 180. So mm-hmm. that's kind of more of the like nitty gritty of, mm-hmm. of the journey. But yeah, it's been a lot of hard work. I wish it was more simple. <laughs> yeah, I think that's like such a, a thing too. Like I feel like sometimes people will like even like ask me questions like how do I fix this? But having right. that mentality of like, okay, I need to fix this problem. Right. And you're like, okay, well, it's not going to be like you said, it's not going to be a supplement or it's not going to yeah. be okay. Today I'm going to like work out and then everything will be great. Obviously I'll be super healthy and fine. You're like, no, the whole point is that it's a daily practice and it's, it's, it's like a lifestyle, but even like lifestyle, I almost feel like isn't the right word. It's just like how you integrate all of these aspects into your health. And that includes your mental health as well. Mm -hmm. And I love the idea of also like tracking your creativity. I think we're all creative beings and we just have totally told ourselves that, okay, well, only certain people can be creative. Mm -hmm. And so it's nice to be like, okay, like what are days that I'm actually like, I'm feeling just like alive and ready to do all of these things. And other times just knowing that, okay, I'm going to like take it easy and be kind to myself. And I feel like in some ways COVID has really highlighted (laughs) uh, (laughs) how kind we need to be to others and to ourselves. 100%. Oh my goodness. What it, what has that like been like too in terms of I can only imagine like if you're really getting that in tune to your body and you're mm-hmm. really into your cycle but all of these other things working together I can imagine COVID would add a totally <laughs> different wrench into that you're like cool I figured out how to like live life feeling good and COVID's like nope like don't get to see other people basically so I don't know if you want to speak a little bit about mm-hmm. that journey because I feel like a lot of folks right now you know, some of them have more time to think about how, like the intentionality that you want to have right. in your life. And for a lot of folks, it's, you even have less time because maybe you're working from home, but you're also raising children or whichever else. But what has that been like COVID cycle awareness? It's been interesting for sure. I mean, I've learned a lot about myself even since this whole pandemic has started. I thought yeah. I knew, like I was like, I got this on lock. Uh-uh. Mm-hmm. I'm, I know a lot of people have been struggling since the pandemic with disrupted cycles, mm. missed periods or just like no periods whatsoever. And, right. you know, stress is a huge factor. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that I really struggled with with regular cycles and then eventually losing my cycle was stress was a huge factor for me. And I just did not know how to manage my stress because again, Again, I wasn't really ever told that stress was going to like mess up my hormones or mm-hmm. that like, you know, self-care and stress management was actually a big part of being an adult. Like yeah. never knew that until I was 25. <laughs> you like get a job, buy a yeah. house, have a dog, have a partner. That's You'll it, be fine. It'll right? be fine. And then I'm like working a high stress job and I'm like, why do I feel terrible all the time? So COVID has like brought up a lot of just these feelings of just being like, it's okay to give yourself what you need, like self-care wise Mm -hmm. and not to feel like that's like selfish or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Um, Especially if you're dealing with any stress or like cycle related issues. I know for me personally, my exercise routine has really changed. Um, You know, I used to love going to the gym. That was really fun, that kind of thing. But I'm totally not doing that at all. Like I haven't for a while. I mean, I've the gym has been open. I've gone a couple times, but I'm like, nah, it's not really like my vibe anymore. And then I also just noticed that I was just taking more rest days, but I wasn't like upset about it because I was like, my body is like really stressed. Mm-hmm. In the first month um, when things were kind of getting crazy, I was so anxious. And at that time, like I just needed to do what was right for me. And it was just kind of like taking some time away, going for a walk in nature, getting outside, mm-hmm. um, taking like deep breaths and 
you know, also turning off the news sometimes. That's like yeah. a really great form of self-care right now, um, mm -hmm. you know. And so I've had to just kind of manage that, thankfully, because I've had this cycle awareness practice in my life that I, I knew this about myself. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I know when I'm feeling that like need to be like, okay, I need to take a step back and like make sure I'm good. Yeah. Like I, I'm actually good before I can go on and, you know, be there for other people or do work or whatever. Mm. Um, and so that's been really great to have that. But it's been interesting. Um, I'm getting used to being at home all the time. <laughs> Thankfully, work is home-based, which is great. Yeah. But I also miss being able to go out because that broke up my day because, you know, working from home, it was really nice to be able to be like, I'm going to go to yoga or I'm going to go to the gym or I'm just going to, I'm going to go to a few stores or whatever. And now it's yeah. like, oh, I just took that all for granted. Yeah. So getting into that routine of being like, okay, I have to create like a home kind of maybe oasis or an area of my house where I can like actually de-stress rather than having to be like, well, I need to leave the house to do that. Right. So that's just not really like an option right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, Absolutely. that was a great question. It's so just, many things. <laughs> I know. Well, and COVID has affected how we live our lives mm -hmm. and also how we're aware of the physical, but also like the social space that right. we take up. Because it's kind of like people are like, oh, look at all of these different like social movements and things that oh, we like gosh, need to yeah. care about. And yeah. I'm like, yeah, we always needed to care yeah. about them. But it's almost like the whole world is experiencing at least some level of stress and we're mm -hmm. just realizing how inequitable our world is. And so, okay, maybe that's getting like away from cycle awareness, but I just it's feel true, like though, yeah. it's so interconnected though, because if we are actually going to promote equality for all folks, mm -hmm. then we need to start with what are the systems in place that have set it up that it's inequitable. And mm -hmm. a huge part of that, and I remember like realizing this a few years ago when I was in like a lecture hall, and I'm like a forever student, so I don't remember <laughs> what class it was in, but I took so many classes. Um, but it was talking about homophobia and why mm -hmm. that is obviously something that's still really rampant in society, unfortunately, but how the root of homophobia is misogyny. It's mm -hmm. the fear of women and thinking that that they aren't equal or like the, anything that is the feminine is kind of like the other. And we don't mm -hmm. want to be seen as mm -hmm. that. And it just kind of sparked something for me. I'm like, wow, like so many of our social inequities, they come down with us not seeing each other as equal beings. And I just think being able to tap in and it's like goes beyond gender. Cause we know there are folks who menstruate and have cycles who don't identify as women, but Regardless if you have a cycle or not, I mean, if you have a cycle, yeah, awareness, awesome. Um, I'm going to talk about my personal experience in a minute here. But no matter like who you are, having an understanding of how your body is feeling day to day, like wouldn't that be just a wonderful practice to be more mindful, more intentional, not only how you live your life, but how you're going to interact with others? Like it just no, it's true though, and you know we all have cycles, and there's cycles of the year, like there's cycles mm -hmm. of the season. We're all in different life cycles, you know, single, married, kids, whatever. Mm -hmm. Like there's so many different cycles that come into play, mm -hmm. and like sometimes I think about that, and I'm like, oh my goodness, that's so right. Like the cycle of the year, that's going to affect us. We're in autumn right now, mm -hmm. kind of not a great time for like being. We're like my mood's great, you know. Like I find yeah. this time of year actually really tricky for my mental health. Mm -hmm. um, but then coming back to cycle awareness it's really helped me to explore it more and being like, okay, well, if I'm feeling that way with my mental health, I mean, it's not really related to my hormones, but it's still like mental health stuff. Mm -hmm. What can I do to support that? And right. um, how can I better support my body? But if we get back to these kind of like cyclical nature of ourselves, I think mm. it could be really great. And then 
like you were talking about, like, there's so so many things come down to, like, fear. Mm. And I think a lot of it's just fear of, like, maybe the unknown. But then when we come back to ourselves and start to understand, like, oh, this is why I feel this way or this is what I'm feeling today. And this mm-hmm. is how my body affects how I feel. Because our body and our hormones, they do affect how I feel. Like, yeah. our hormones are literally telling us how we feel. <laughs> and for so many of us, we're told that that's wrong and to disregard that. And, like, we don't want to be, you know, emotional or we don't mm-hmm. want to have these feelings. But, like, these are valid feelings. Like yeah. we have to connect back to them. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone does. And I think that would make the world a, a very good place if we just kind of connected back and then leaned into like, why are we scared of these things? What about fear? Why do we think people aren't as equal as other people? Like, oh, right. Anyways. <laughs> no, that's so good. Okay. okay. So much. There's so about. much. And this is why we're also going to do like part two because right. there's so much to get to. Oh my gosh. But okay. So to wrap up this part one, if you wanted people to leave knowing like one thing about cycle awareness to like start them on their own journey, or right. even if they're well along, like one little tidbit, I know that must be so hard because it's so complex, <laughs> but like one little thing that you're like, oh, if everyone knew right. this, right. the world would just be a better place. <laughs> <laughs> the one thing I want people to leave this podcast with is that no matter where you are or like what stage you are in your life or the life cycle you're on love Mm -hmm. that love that you can track how you feel every day and Mm -hmm. menstrual cycle awareness is just tracking how you feel like your thoughts emotions and physical sensations every day and how they relate to your cycle you don't have to know everything about your hormones to do menstrual cycle awareness it's just Mm -hmm. an awareness of how you feel and then when you start tracking them every day or or tracking these feelings every day Mm -hmm. you'll start to notice patterns And these patterns and how you feel will start to help you like dictate what you do next cycle. Mm -hmm. And it'll start to help you plan like work, life, relationships. Mm -hmm. It'll start to help you plan self-care, stress management, because you'll know the times of your cycle or the times of your life when you are more vulnerable to things or when you have your strengths and you're feeling super good. Mm -hmm. And that is what I want people leaving this to know is that you can start today and all you have to do is just either write down how you're feeling or like make a voice note on your phone or write on a notes app or download like a period tracking app. Mm -hmm. Um, Somewhere that has a journal would be great. You could even just journal how you feel. Some people really, really vibe with journaling. Mm -hmm. Just make this like kind of a consistent practice, but make it your own practice and make it so it works for you. Yeah. You know, I don't want people to think that they have to journal like 50 pages a day to like get into their cycle. Literally, if you just write down one word or think of one word, mm-hmm. then that's a great start. And then you'll start to become more curious. And that curiosity will just bloom into this like beautiful awareness of yourself. And that awareness you can just bring to every day and mm-hmm. just show up in a way that suits you I guess every day in a way that like honors where you are in your cycle so just be curious even if it's even if it's negative right like it doesn't have to be positive I know Mm. I'm I'm very positive and you guys probably are listening to this and being like (laughs) this girl is crazy about periods and I am (laughs) but it's because I've cultivated this relationship with my body and that's why I share this because I want people to get to the point where they're like super excited about like every day like oh what's what it's gonna be like and how am I gonna Mm. feel is it gonna be like last cycle is it gonna be new Mm -hmm. it's amazing it's just amazing so hopefully that answered that (laughs) no absolutely I feel like that's the perfect thing you're like it's not that every day has to be like bright and positive no, it's yeah. being curious it's sparking that curiosity and just allowing yourself to fully lean into that curiosity and to learn more about your body and your cycle 
Exactly. That's so exciting. (laughs) Thank you so much. You're very welcome. Thank you so much for joining me today and listening to the Love Doctor podcast. Next week on the show, I share part two of my interview with Crystal, where we discuss sustainable menstrual products and how being plant-based, it might just make you a better lover. If you have questions that you want to ask, send a voice memo to thelovedoctorpodcast at gmail.com or even send a little voice recording to me on Instagram. You can also check me out on Instagram or Twitter. And if you like what you're hearing, don't forget to leave a review. Till then, folks, stay healthy, stay safe, stay consensual. Stay consensual.